Our reading this evening is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be too quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word, or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth, and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved, through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets, but now in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us continue this Advent to learn to rejoice in the coming of our King. Last week we heard about that rejoicing being bound up in gratitude for faith and for love, these most basic, most fundamental, most important of gifts, faith and love, without which we would have no hope, but by which we hold fast to the promises of God and show his promises to our neighbors, faith and love, the things that we need most of all. We give thanks for those things, and that is one of the ways that we welcome Jesus rightly, is with gratitude, even in the face of trouble, and perhaps especially in the face of trouble. It's in the face of persecution that the Thessalonians see their faith tried and proven. It's in the face of persecution, in the face of detractors and those who would say that believing in Jesus is a waste of time, it is precisely then that faith is seen for all it's worth. It holds fast 
to the one whose word is never broken. Jesus, who was born just as God said he would be born, from a virgin, who was born as God with us, God in human flesh, who lived and who died just the way God said he would, suffering for our iniquities, bearing them all to the grave, and rising on the third day. His word has never been broken, and so we stand firm with this gift, trusting his promises, believing his word, and loving the way he has loved us, and rejoicing in the righteous judgment of God. Our rejoicing in that righteous judgment is like the rejoicing of Noah. Perhaps it's kind of hard to picture, but imagine that. Noah rising up in the ark as the waves are carrying him, nervous, I'm sure, but trusting in God, nonetheless watching, tragically, full of grief, I am certain, as all of the wicked of the world are drowned and die because they did not believe the promises. Nonetheless, grateful and full of hope because his God has chosen to save him. Noah and his family, eight souls and all. That is how we rejoice in the righteous judgment of God. It is a tragedy, a heartbreaking tragedy, that the world does not turn to God in faith. And yet, it is precisely in wiping away all of the wickedness of the world, the coming judgment on the world, that God gives us salvation. And so, let us rejoice. Let us rejoice with hope. Today, we learn from Paul to rejoice in the arrival of the truth. Christianity is not just one choice among many. That is one of the ways that the world likes to belittle or marginalize Christianity. Oh, you can have your religion. We'll have our religion. We can all believe what we want. We all believe a little bit of the truth. Isn't that the way it is? They can't all be right. Maybe everybody's got a little bit of what's actually accurate. You can see how that kind of thinking didn't hold in the days of Noah. There was one truth, one true word, one true prophecy about the coming flood, one true promise of salvation within the walls of that ark. There were not options. It was in or out, up or down. It was God or nothing. It was the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth, or an idol made with human hands or your own sinful heart. Christianity is true because our God is true. The world would have you take kind of a consumeristic approach to religion. You can go to the store and pick out from a million different varieties of cereal. You can go to a different store if you don't like the store you're going to. You can have your choice. You can choose what you prefer. That's the way the world would have you think about religion. But Jesus tells us, and St. Paul confirms today, that it's not about preferences. It's not about what you like or don't like. It's not about your feelings whatsoever. Instead, it's about this. It's about the truth. The truth that sets free Abide in my word, Jesus says, my word alone. Abide in my word and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That is what sets Christianity apart. That's what sets Jesus apart. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one enters eternal life except through him. That truth is all important. It's what matters above all else, especially in this world full of lies. That's the character of the darkness that reigns in this world. It is a darkness of lies. Lies that began all the way back in the Garden of Eden. You know how the story goes. Here comes the serpent, slithering out of the tree, whispering to Eve something that is dark and untrue. God certainly won't 
make you suffer if you eat this fruit. You won't certainly die if you eat this fruit. God is just being kind of withholding. He's keeping something back from you. He doesn't want you to enjoy wisdom from on high. Listen to my words, the devil says. And with that, and the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, this darkness was cast over all of creation, the darkness of lies. One of the worst things about living in this sinful world is how hard it is to tell the difference between the truth and the lie. Maybe you feel that, even in just ordinary, everyday things, in the news cycle, in what you read on the internet. How can you tell what's true and what's a lie? The lie seems to be winning, seems to hold sway. And that is why it matters so much that Jesus comes at Christmas. That God himself takes on human flesh. The truth itself takes on human flesh and is born and laid in a manger and lives and speaks and dies for you and for me. Truth has arrived. The truth that Christ brings, the truth that he is himself, scatters the darkness. And that is what matters, especially in this world full of lies. Our world today is really no different from the time of the Thessalonians. You heard what Paul began with in this chapter today. He says, don't believe the lies. If anyone comes to you and says, the day of the Lord has already come. Jesus has already come back. You missed the boat. We can just move on from this point. If they say that to you, don't believe them. You won't miss it. The day of the Lord will not come without your knowing it. And in fact, St. Paul goes on to say, the day of the Lord will not come until certain things have taken place that I've already told you about, Paul says. Hold fast to what I've told you. Don't let it trouble you at all. Don't be shaken in your minds when people speak lies. Believe the word of God. Believe what Jesus says. Believe what Jesus' apostle Paul says. He speaks the truth. Lies have that effect of shaking us, of unnerving us, unsettling us. And they have that effect even when you know they are lies. Even when you know that it's not true, that somebody is deceiving you, it still unsettles you. There's this part of you, this, this faint hint in the back of your mind, this creeping suspicion in your heart that maybe they're right. Maybe there's a bit of truth to it. Maybe that uncertainty that they're bringing, that darkness that they're casting over the situation, maybe it's true. Maybe I should be concerned. Maybe I should be worried. Maybe I should be afraid. Maybe I should be terrified about what is coming. Paul says, no, not a hint of that. Don't let that hold sway. Don't believe what they say about the end. Christ won't come without you knowing it. Don't believe what they say about your lives, that they're wasted in worshiping God and serving your Savior. Don't believe what they say about how you should worry and be anxious about this life. You needn't be worried about anything. Your Savior has promised to take care of you. Don't believe the lies. Don't let them trouble you. Let no one deceive you in any way, Paul says. Remember the truth. Now, when Paul talks about the truth in this chapter in 2 Thessalonians, he says some things that are really cryptic and veiled to us. He evidently had had this conversation with the Thessalonians about the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, the one who's pretending to be God, who sets himself up in the temple of God, taking a place where he doesn't belong. Paul says, I already told you about this. We had this conversation. And we have a hint of this in 1 Thessalonians when Paul talks to Thessalonians about not worrying about Christians who've died already and who are asleep. They will rise on the last day. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about the day of the Lord. It's going to come like a thief. There's no amount of preparing materially, physically, in your activities day to day that will make a difference. What matters is your heart. 
Faith in God, trusting his promises. That is what matters. And in the end, you'll be joined to Christ. Paul has explained all of this to them, things that are beyond us. They know some things that we don't know. Paul says, you know, dear Thessalonians, what is restraining the man of lawlessness. I have no idea what that is. I don't know what he's talking about. But he evidently told them something that was helpful to them. He says, the man of lawlessness, this mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And that's what's relevant for us today. This mystery of lawlessness that was at work among the Thessalonians, it still is at work in our day. It still is at work in anyone who imagines himself to be God, who thinks that he can control his life, who can direct his ways. He thinks that he is master of himself. That's the work of the man of lawlessness, the work of Satan. That's what St. Paul says. Satan is behind all of these lies, so don't believe them. Christ is coming to destroy that man of lawlessness, this creeping suspicion that God is not for you, but against you. Christ has come to destroy that lie with the breath of his mouth. Notice how easily Jesus does it. He just breathes, and Satan falls. He utters a word. One little word can fell him. That's how it is with our God, with our Lord. It's Jesus who brings the truth, the truth that scatters the darkness. And the only problem in this world is if you don't believe the truth. What a tragedy it is when any refuse to believe the truth. And see how deep that tragedy goes. St. Paul says, if you refuse to believe the truth, if you'd rather believe the lie, then God will hand you over to the lie. He'll let you follow the delusions of your heart straight to hell. And one day you'll wake up and you'll wonder why things aren't what you thought they would be. You chose to believe the lie. St. Paul says, they found pleasure in unrighteousness, and God gave them over to their pleasures. If you want to be your own God, you can try. God will let you. But you know how that would turn out. You've heard the story. You've seen what Christ had to suffer to rescue us from sin and from the devil. You see what great cost it was to him and how great his love was for us in showing us his blood on the cross, his body given for us. You see how precious this gift is, how valuable the truth is. Don't sell it for anything. Don't sell it for the enticements of this world, the comforts, the fleeting comforts of this world, material things that cannot deliver. Don't sell it for acclaim or favor or the good graces of anyone in this world. It is not worth it. Don't sell the truth for that lie. Instead, hold on to it tightly. Love the truth above all else. It's Jesus Christ who is the Word incarnate, the truth in human flesh that has arrived for you. He's here, and so the darkness has to scatter. It's almost as though you'd have to go chasing after the darkness in order to remain in it. Don't do that. Remain with the light. Jesus has come, and so the lie cannot stand in his presence. All lies must fall. Christ, born, living a perfect life, crucified, buried, raised from the dead, ascended on high for you. That is the truth. Rejoice that this truth is yours. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.